so many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. the box. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. <laughs> I love it. That's our new intro on Out of the Box, put together by Max, who works here very hard every day, making all the all little things you hear between songs sound good. And uh, the track that we used in that intro is Fishing's Choi Lin. Couldn't really go past it. It's got a really good vibe to it, and it's off their most recent record. And uh, Alex Pye will be back in your radio next Wednesday and Thursday, again from 9am as per usual. But on that Wednesday evening next week, it's probably worth noting that she has an exhibition opening at 107 Projects in Redfern and it's called Thanks for Nothing so it's going to open at 6pm and that's next Wednesday so whack it in the old diary and uh, on Out of the Box today we've got two lovely ladies in the studio Jodie Fisher and Ashmar and they've only known each other for the past year and a half but in that time they've become responsible for one of the most successful weekly dance sessions in Sydney and that means that when they are at work you'll find them in a darkened room or maybe you won't actually find them in a darkened room because it's like really dark. It's pitch black and they won't be wearing lycra, so very hard to locate them. So Jody and Ash, welcome on the show. Hey, so much, Ash. So you guys run No Lights, No Lycra. Title's pretty self-explanatory, but tell us a bit more about how you started running this night together. Well, we were interested in running No Lights um, because we had both done No Lights in our respective hometowns. I had done it in Brisbane. There is a chapter up in Brisbane and there's also another one down in Melbourne. And we had both moved to Sydney and realised that there wasn't a No Lights down here. So we contacted the girls in Melbourne who originally began it and decided um, and asked them if we could run one. And they put us in contact with each other. Uh, we went on what was like a blind date to, <laughs> down to the pub, a friendship date, and fell in friendship love and have been running No Lights together so, ever since. So you're bros and business partners now. And that's how you, that's how you met. Yeah. Great story. All right, well, we've got one track to take before we have a bit of a chat about No Lights, and it's called Wege Wege? Is that yeah. how I say it? This is a favourite on the No Lights dance floor. Like, this is one that we've definitely pulled out a few times and people love to get down to, so kind of sums up what it's all about. Awesome. On FBI 94.5, listen out of the box with my guests today, Jody and Ash from No Lights, No Lycra. Eu vou 
FBI 94.5. These guys certainly don't need the lights to be off to have a bit of a boogie because we're having a good dance to that track, which is Weggy Weggy. That was a fun one. By Baraka Sound System. I'd never heard of them before. So that, that one's a bit of a regular, a bit of a fixture at No Lights, No Lycra then? Yeah, just one of those gems that we came across one day while making playlists. We're always on the lookout for new music and just found them and went, whoa, this is not one song, this is albums worth of like big jams. So, yeah, <laughs> they're a favourite. So then you'd have to come up with a playlist every week for every single No Lies, No Lycra. How long does it usually take you to put together a playlist? Oh, that, yeah, a long time. Like, I mean, it's probably about four hours per playlist. We run two nights a week. And sometimes that differs, you know, like there's moments where you just feel like you've got tunes coming out of your ears and it happens in five seconds. And then there's other times I'm like, Jody. I can't, and I come stuck. How? There's a drought. Yeah. There's a drought of bangers. Where are they? <laughs> the great banger drought of 2015. Yeah. <laughs> 
awesome. So yeah, about eight hours a week. Awesome. And what kind of you know decisions and sort of things do you say when you're trying to find the right tracks? Like, how do you get the balance right? What kind of goes into it? I think. Even though bangers are an important part of a No Lights playlist, we really like to have a lot of diverse tunes. So mm. it's finding that mix between memorable songs that you know, those kinds of songs that bring nostalgia to the dance floor and make you go, oh, this track, my gosh, as well as those songs that you're like, what is this? What is this making me do in the dark with my body? I've never done this before. <laughs> you know, songs that are a little bit challenging. So yeah. a mix of interesting new music as well as like real classic stuff. Yeah, the so funniest... giving people a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. And the funniest thing is when we look at the place, we're like, ooh, we've definitely made a toasted cheese sandwich here. Like, we accidentally <laughs> went down a house party, 16-year-old house party hole that we shouldn't have gone down. So, so we, we have to pull that. back on the cheese sometimes. What sort of tracks are we talking? We're talking about, you know, 16-year-old house party. Oh. Are we talking about, like, aqua and stuff? Or yeah. Or is, is that a bit too passe? Sometimes. One mega cheese ball per playlist is, is sometimes a rule. Like one, you're one Aqua song, you're one Cheryl Crow, you're one like <laughs> big cheesy throwback tune. Um, that's 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 the limit. You, awesome. can, you can only do one of those per hour. Yeah. So even though it's pitch black, can you kind of feel when things are really vibing? Can you sense when a song is going down particularly well? Totally. When's yeah. That and it's they're some of the most like amazing moments that I think we've experienced at No Lights where it's completely dark, you don't know who's around you, but then all of a sudden this roar erupts and people are just kind of doing this primal scream like, yeah, like, yeah, like, you know, they're like (laughs) dropping it down. And then all of a sudden you'll just hear this like, you know, hand clap starting to come out of nowhere. Um, (laughs) So you can definitely feel the vibe even though you can't see anything. So if you can't see anything, do you have a lot of like, accidents a lot of dance floor injuries going on in no lights not really that is almost, the number one question yeah though. almost never i don't think anybody's ever been injured at no lights <laughs> i mean you can see silhouettes you can see that there's people in the room but you're not going to run into them you know mm. you, you've you've got enough enough vision to to be safe yeah and you can echolocate anyway oh for sure mm. yeah, yeah. With, in the absence of one sense another sense grows stronger right absolutely it's very true. <laughs> So what sort of what sort of prep goes into it besides the actual music side of things? I mean, you need to find something that is significantly darker than your usual venue. Is it as easy as turning the lights off? Ah, uh, at this time of year in the the beautiful depths of winter, it's it's very easy to do because daylight savings works on your side, but come summer, it's it's No, really it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a bloody nightmare. And you would the, the things that let light in, you would never imagine like the other day there was like a Oh, we played off the laptop instead of our phone. And the apple, I was like, I'm going to kill that apple. So all that's coming off the back of the laptop. Like, Did you gaffer the apple? Yeah, we did. Actually, we stuck mm-hmm. black tape over it. But, I mean, you know, before setting up a night, we, there, we've got this beautiful big old hall and it's got these massive windows. And when daylight savings come, at, we were like, how do we black these out? So we, for four weeks, hired a ladder five metre ladder, I think it was, that we strapped to the top of my car on my (laughs) roof racks and got one of my trading mates to come down and screw holes into the wall, which thank you very much to the Newtown Hall for letting us do that. And now we staple black plastic to balsa wood and kind of reverse fish it up onto these, you know, how high would it be, Joe? Like like four or five metres. We've got these massive poles that we we kind of use to get it up there. It's It's always a big process, but... It's just necessary. It's all part of the part of the 
the no lights set up. It's, yeah. It's, All right. Yeah. And we've got it a bit more together now. When we first started, Jodie fell off a ladder and pretty much broke her arm in the process of doing yeah, it. We, so. We've come a long <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, in a year and a half, we've really made some progress in blacking out spaces. So you, you tried actually doing a, a no lights in the central building and from the outside, it looks like there's a whole of a lot of glass there. So I'm wondering, is there some sort of, you know, deep dark room somewhere in there that we don't know about or were you actually trying to do a no lights in one of the most light buildings in Sydney in December yep yeah we were (laughs) and it was our first one and we were really excited I can remember calling Ash being like babe guess what I've locked in a venue it's gonna be great and then kind of explaining it to her and us realizing that it had floor to ceiling glass windows and that there is not enough builder's plastic at the hardware store to even to deal with those. So it was uh, a little learning curve. Didn't, didn't yeah. make a profit that time. All of the funds went to builder's plastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a track by Little Richard Ash and tell us why you wanted to bring this one in today. Yeah, sure. Well, for me, I mean, you know, it's really amazing how much dance and music has come back into my life. I danced when I was younger Um, until I realised that it was pretty shitty, the whole kind of professional side of dance, and I left it for a long time. And then I used to... So how old were you when you left it, sorry? I was probably 16 or 15 um, when it started to get kind of serious with competitions and I decided it wasn't my thing. And then I picked up DJing when I was in high school and used to play in my local house parties and kind of left that. And, And now both of them in some ways have come back. And I think a lot of that I have to credit for my mum who's this amazing woman the most amazing dancer and growing up she would always play 50s rock and roll and she had this old Seberg jukebox she still has it and you know plays 45s and that's what we would put on and she would you know play all these amazing 50s rock and roll and on weekends I would spend going with her to rock and roll dances so you know these people with like a-line skirts and petticoats and I'd dress up too and would learn like rock and roll dancing and for me I think you know um my love of dance and music, I can credit to, you know, my awesome mum who was bringing me up on Elvis and Little Richard. Nice. Um, Shout outs to Mama Ma. Yeah, Mama Ma, she rules. Go to town and marry about Uncle John. He claimed he has a music, but he having a lot of fun, oh baby. Yes, baby. Woo, baby. Having me some fun tonight. Yeah. Well, long tall salad sheet. Come in 
just made me feel really nice inside. It's a beauty, that one. That's brought in by my guests from Out of the Box today. Well, one of two guests, that's Jody of Ash and Jody fame, of No Lights, No Lycra fame. <laughs> and so who, who was the singer in that track? Ah, uh, that was Patience from the Brisbane band The Greats, somebody mm-hmm. that's been a huge inspiration for me. I, I can remember um, seeing her live when I was about 15 and just being so taken with her. The way that she would jump and move and shake around the stage, she was so powerful. She would give so much to her live performance and I would just sit in the crowd and watch her and just be... I have, I have, I want to be you. How do I become someone like you? I was just in love with her. That's fantastic. So, um, you had a lot of love for the greats, like more than your average amount of love for the greats. How did this manifest itself in your life? Oh, well, after seeing them perform a few times live, I, um, got my best, my best friends, uh, none of us who really could play instruments to form a band. Um, and we, we started learning a bunch of great songs and we, we got a little set down and we, we played a few gigs like, you know, the high school disco and other school related events. Um, and then one time, um, somebody's dad was listening to us rehearse and, and he, he joked to us, you guys are like a one band cover band. And and we were like, what? what does that mean? Like, I've never heard that term before and we didn't really realise it was a, a term re- reserved for Elvis impersonators and that it wasn't necessarily a compliment. But it it had genuinely never occurred to us that we should learn any any songs outside of the greats, like, four-track album. Wait, it was literally a four-track album. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was us. You're, you're a one-AP cover band. Yeah. <laughs> Limited. So good. So did you end up landing any sweet gigs or is it was it just kind of like around the house? Uh, no, I believe it fizzled uh, around the time we graduated. Um, so no, no gigs outside of the <laughs> confines of the high school. <laughs> so yeah, a bit of a throwback to your time in, in Brisbane growing up. So you actually had a, a few odd jobs. I did, In Brisbane. Yes, I had a few funny ones. Yeah, you're basically a, a young lady version of Charles Bukowski. So, <laughs> I guess, well, I mean, one of the most notable jobs that you would have had was as a delivery driver. Yes, a postie. I was in one of those <laughs> down and out situations where I really needed a job but had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had the choice between um, selling tickets for the Sydney Symphony Orchestra or going to work for Australia Post and delivering mail. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be a postie. <laughs> and it's it was one of the, the best jobs that I've ever had. Um, one in that you are essentially Santa Claus. Like people love getting mail. People love getting parcels. Getting a letter from a friend or something from online shopping is like one of the greatest things that can happen in your in your day to day. And there have been times that I've just wanted to like hug the person who is delivering my parcel. Just oh, for sure, overjoyed. people are very receptive to the, the female postie. <laughs> and the other thing that was great about it is that you you can't lose your job. It is um, one of the most stable jobs I've, I've ever had. Um, Wait, what do you, what do you mean you can't lose your job? Did you do something to attempt to lose your job? I, I didn't want to lose my job, but I had never really driven in the CBD before and that was my that was what I needed to do to, to deliver mail was to drive around the CBD and on my second day as a postal driver I crashed the postie van quite quite seriously day two <laughs> day two <laughs> I backed it into a, a very mad woman in a very nice car and returned to the post office to the loading dock just bawling my eyes out going sorry I've ruined everything and I can't 
work here anymore. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. That's fine, darling. Like, it's no biggie. We all do it. And <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. We all do it. <laughs> well, this is what I learned. At first, I felt like I'm just the, the idiot. I was the only female that worked there. And I just felt like the young, silly girl who didn't know how to drive a car. And I, I, I thought that was my position in the, in the post office for quite a while until I worked there for, for, for a couple of years and realized that, no, actually, all posties crash their vans. Often it happens. <laughs> if you have a ding in your car, it may have been a postal driver. <laughs> Shout outs to Australia Post. Yeah, and well. posties. <laughs> That's so great. So uh, you, you've done a few other little odd jobs in, in your time in Brisbane. So was, uh, was your museum archive research a role where you, when you were in Brisbane as well? Yes, yeah, yeah, that was also in Brisbane. Okay, that sounds like a fascinating world, was it? It was. It was really fascinating. It was kind of one of those moments where you get to see behind the curtain a little bit and, and beyond the, the items on display in the museum and, and into the actual archives, which are an actual thing in museums where there are shopping centre aisles of different artefacts and, and old pieces of jewellery and, and, and uh, instruments is what I was looking at. And a bunch of other students and I were required to go in there as, as interns and to try and determine if any of these, these old instruments had any, any value, if they were um, actually real instruments or whether they were just like tourist replicas. Um, and we really had not a great deal of so we didn't really know what we were doing. That's not your background, essentially, in, in determining the value of musical instruments. No, that takes many, many years of research, academic. And how uh, old were you when you were doing this? Uh, 19 or 20. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. But... So could you, could you actually like, play the instruments? Could you actually hang out with the instruments and just like, have a bit of a party? No. We were allowed to look at the instruments. If we wanted to um, see the underneath of the instrument or, or look, and see anything more than what you could view of, of it on a table. We had to call in like Mr. Museum who would come in with a pair of gloves and he would pick it up and he would, as a 19-year-old, fully self-assured, say, oh, yes, um, could you just rotate that for uh, of 25 degrees for me so I can see the underneath side and then, you know, quickly jot down some notes like you had any <laughs> idea what you were looking at. <laughs> and we, we did. We contributed something to, to the archives in the end. We we put in a paper and tried to tell them what these these instruments were. <laughs> and they were all from the one guy, though? Yeah, a guy who um, was not a musicologist, but who, who loved instruments and travel and had collected a bunch of instruments, some which were incredibly valuable um, and others which were from your, your, your dodgy marketplace that have no <laughs> cultural significance whatsoever. <laughs> awesome. Well, in that case, I think we should put on a song about it. What's the next track and why do you want to bring it on? Oh, this is a, this is a beautiful song, this one. Um, this is a song by Jamie XX. It's, it's called Sleep Sound and... It's just one of those songs that transports you when you listen to it. It's, it's really special. On Out of the Box and FBI, my guests are Jody and Ash. No lights, no lycra. Yeah.
What a banger on FBI 94.5. That was Jamie XX, and that track was brought in by my guest on Out of the Box today, Jody. Yeah, that is an incredibly moving song. I mean, the music alone really takes you somewhere, but um, in, if you watch it in conjunction with the film clip, it's an experience. It's um, directed by Sophie Mattioli. She's an, she's an English poet and an English artist, and she was inspired by an experience that she had on public transport one day where she was, she was sitting on a train, and she had her headphones on, and she was kind of moving along, you know, subtly, um, as you do on public transport, and a woman approached her and passed her a note. Um, and, and she opened it up and, and she read it and it said, I'm deaf, but when I watch you enjoying music like that, I, I feel like I can feel the music too. So spurred on by, by that um, that moment, she created the film clip for that Jamie XX track. And it is, it's just beautiful. It's, it's um, that artist dancing with uh, a bunch of... Um, people from the Manchester Deaf Society, and they uh, they imagine the music based on her movements and her facial expressions, and she kind of leads them through this experience. It's just beautiful. Go go and watch it. It's amazing. You're getting me all misty just talking about it. It gets me misty. <laughs> <laughs> totally very misty. You, you've gone all shiny in the eyes. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, yeah, that, that was a lovely track. And if you do like any of the tracks that you hear in the show today, they're always going up on the station's website under the programs and playlists page. You can always find it on Out of the Boxes page. And uh, we, well, I, I know that you guys went to Bali earlier this year on, I guess, a business trip, some might call it. Yeah, well, what was the intention? Why were you in Bali in the first to place? To catch waves and maybe get creative. That definitely didn't. Yeah, we we had hoped to maybe um, sit by the pool and maybe have a couple of drinks and dream up the year of no lights ahead and get some waves. And And we were actually going to run a no lights. Yeah, we had planned to run a couple of no lights in Indonesia as well. But uh, about a a day or a day and a half into the trip, I, I became incredibly ill. I came down with dengue fever. Whoa. And so for people who aren't familiar with the old dengue... Dengue fever is a nightmare. <laughs> Thanks, Ash. It is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. It's a mosquito-borne disease, and it's there's nothing you can do to prevent it from happening, and there's nothing you can take to get rid of it. You have to let your body fight it, and it takes about seven to ten days. And Good Lord. during that time, you are 
hallucinating. You, are, you, you, you visit another, another place and you're also very ill. It's, it's like a fever. So Jody, you've got dengue and Ash, you are there with Jody. Are you, are you caring for Jody this time? Or are you just like going about town, oh, hanging out? I definitely wasn't going about town. I don't know if I was caring though. I turned into this kind of really loving yet crazy stressed mother. I was like, this is a part of me. Maybe I have seen, I don't know, but it wasn't a part that I really favoured. I was like running around and, you know, trying to coordinate doctors and travel insurance because there was a point there where Jodie wasn't going to be covered and it was $550 a night to be in hospital. Whoa. So we were up to what, like the 5G mark? Yeah, yep. And just going... 24 um, hours in. <laughs> yeah. So about that bill, we might not be able to pay it. Might have to head over our passports and stay in Bali forever, which, well, yeah, it was going to be a nightmare. So, is, is that the solution? If you can't pay, you have to stay in Bali? Yeah. I think you hand over your passport and they loan you they loan you the money and then, I don't know, I'm taking this off someone else who was like next Some, to yeah. us. I mean, all around bed. you, there are Australians who are going through the same thing, who have fallen <laughs> off their scooters or have like have taken a surfboard fin to the, to the noggin. Um, <laughs> but, here, but here you are tripping out on dengue. So what does that look like? As, as an onlooker, Ash, what kind of goes on? <laughs> well, first of all, we're in like sunny, hot Bali and Jody's just like, please, just we like checked into a like nicer resort than our little like surf shack. She's like, please just shut the curtains. And it was like black and dark and it's boiling hot. She's like, oh, oh, the air conditioning's like daggers. And I was like, all right, uh, it's 40 degrees, but okay. And then one night she was like, oh, one afternoon sleeping, I came back in to check on her and she goes, oh, oh, Ashy, oh, Ashy, I was just the host of a Korean TV show. And I was like, okay, you've officially lost it. And then she starts holding her eyes and covering her face and going, so many daggers. <laughs> And I was oh like, my God, oh, no, Jody. All right. And that was the point where I was like, right, we're going to the hospital. Yes. And our little man at the hotel drove us. That was nice. And got Jody to a hospital bed where she lied until the day before we flew out. Wow. So it's safe to Just say that, yeah, that holiday, we definitely cooked it and got nothing done. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have any fun. But we definitely became closer. Oh, you know? I definitely learned what an incredible friend I have in Ash because she really took care of me the whole time. And I very much needed taking care of. God, Trooper though. Yeah. I couldn't have done what Jody did getting, you know, these weird needles that at some points I'm like, do we know what that is? <laughs> okay, it'll make her better, sure. Cool. <laughs> oh dear. Well we got a track from Hockey Dad. And how how does that feed into this whole thing? Well after we got back from Bali, we were like, okay, we need to try and do this again. Like, let's have an actual proper holiday here and like, you know, try and be creative and drink some beers and get some wave. <laughs> so we booked a little house down the South Coast and uh, did, what did we call <laughs> The cook tour round two, yeah. where we just <laughs> got in tour. the car and uh, put the boards on the roof. And, and, and didn't get dengue. And didn't get dengue. And it was fabulous. And I, <laughs> I actually thought about buying Jody a mosquito net. But um, <laughs> this this track we definitely listened to on the road trip on the way down while we were hanging out. So it's pretty nice. And FBI, 94.5. My guest in the box today, Jody and Ash from No Lights, No Like or Sydney. Tell me. 
listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My name is Ash Bertabez, and my guests on Out of the Box today are Jody and Ash, who just bought in that track by Hockey Dad as a bit of a, a bit of an antidote to their previous Bali trip where no good things happened, no surfing was done, and Jody got dengue fever. <laughs> but it seems like you guys don't really have that much luck re-Bali, because obviously you had the whole dengue fever situation. But then you were actually in Bali quite a long time ago, Ash, and you didn't really have the best time then either. No. So mm, what... What kind of happened? Why were you there? Who were you with? Yeah, so in 2005 was the first time I ever travelled to Bali and that was actually when the second bombings happened. And um, I wasn't with my family at the time, so obviously that was quite hard as well. And, yeah, I mean, it was one of definitely one of the most challenging experiences I've ever had in my life. So and how old were you then? I was 15. Gee. Yeah, and we were out for dinner and didn't know and then went to get a taxi back to our hotel and they were like, we can't take you, there's been a bomb. And I just remember like, you know that feeling when your knees go weak? You're like, this can't. It was kind of this really surreal experience and, mm. and having to kind of go back through all of the mayhem where, you know, we're getting out of cabs because they thought that the van in front of us was a car bomb and, and standing behind these big concrete pillars and sirens going off and just yeah just kind of not knowing what's happened and and it was it was a really challenging thing yet I think in many ways um that experience really has shaped me and has and you know was a pretty big defining moment and yeah. taught me a lot about uh, you know life I guess without being all like inspo but uh <laughs> well I mean that you know it could you you really don't know when things like that can go down and how how much time you've got left totally. i guess that's something that you really do need to experience to feel that people can tell you consistently you know yeah. you never know how much time you've got left or you know take advantage of life while you've got it but until you actually go through something like that it can be hard to feel that proximity absolutely and i remember i got home from that trip and going back to school and one of my teachers said you know ash like we're all like loaves of bread we've got an expiry date and it just wasn't yours and i was like whoa that yeah that's that's true and kind of I suppose how that's kind of led me on from there is, is you know it is that sense of like you just don't know and sometimes it is your time and sometimes it's not and mm. it's a pretty powerful thing so yeah that was 2005 and after that I didn't I didn't travel I mean coming back was pretty hard just generally like after something that big um but the biggest thing was that I didn't travel overseas until when I was 10 years no, five, five years later it was 2000 and So it gave you a bit of a fear then? Totally, yeah. It was really... Mildly traumatic, I guess. Yeah, in mm-hmm. some ways. Like I I just thought that everything would blow up. And I, like I shouldn't laugh about it, but it's kind of like I look back now to the first time I travelled after being to Bali and there was moments where I was just kind of irrationally thinking like, oh, that's definitely going to blow up or this is going to happen. Like it was, yeah, it, it definitely panicked. But, I mean, you would have gotten over that by now, I'm assuming? Or is that something that's kind of stayed with you? Um, I mean, before Jody and I went to Bali, there was another terrorism warning put out by with another island. And I definitely felt that sense of, like, I think you just feel like, am I putting myself back in a situation that I, I know I've been in? And, and is that silly? But um, when it, But, no, now I feel really able to, to challenge that. And sometimes I still get that fear, but it feels really good to be able to do that again. And the first big moment I had was in 2010 when that was the first time I travelled since Bali and I went to Africa and India 
and just thought, I'm going to throw myself in the deep end yeah, here absolutely. and go somewhere where I'm like completely challenged. <laughs> none and can none of just, that Europe stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, get right amongst it and kind of really get a, a break free of that, that fear. And, and that was huge, that trip. Um, and that was where a lot of, yeah, I guess in many ways I challenged that fear and, and now I'm able to travel. So um, we've got a track to take just now by Salif Cater. And can you kind of tell us a little bit about why you wanted to bring this track on today? Yeah, sure. I mean, in many ways, um, that trip to Africa was uh, a huge part of my life. But uh, in, when we were in Mali in West Africa, we were driving for hours in the middle of nowhere to this remote village called Niamana. And it had only been out of famine for, I can't remember how many years, I think it was five years or so. And when we rocked up, the entire village was lined up and I'd had a really rough day where I'd kind of just wanted to be back in Australia in my comfy little bubble. <laughs> and I got out of this bus and the entire village was lined down the side to greet us and they were cheering and hugging and it was just this big party. And as soon as I got out of the bus, I just bawled my eyes out because I was in no man's land. Like I was so far from home, yet I was incredibly safe. And on that trip, I was really trying to challenge myself to be able to travel again and yeah they just welcomed me and for the rest of the night all of us who were on this trip just were in this village and we just partied all night like not drinking just dancing and they just the music and the spirit of people in that village I will never ever forget you know like it was infectious so this is a Malian song um, that's pretty special so yeah
Fox on FBI. That I'm really pursuing, and I would like to get to know you. Can you give me your name? If you jot down your number, you'll get mine in exchange. Hey, see, I'm the man of this town, and I hope you wouldn't mind if I showed you around. So when you go to certain places, you'll be thinking of me. We got people to meet in many places to see. Hey. Digging your lips, but be careful where you walking when you swinging them hips. I'm kind of concerned that you'll be causing a crash with your traffic jam, booty heads, pauses so bad. Hey, I wouldn't trade you for the world, I swear it. I like your hair and every style that you're wearing. And how the colors coordinate with your clothes, from your manicured nails to your pedicured toes. Weirdest two songs to put together ever. So we had a, a Marlene track that was just a bit of a dance banger, to be honest. And then we had Girl Talk, which was brought in by one of my guests today, jo- Jody. And the previous song was brought in by Ash. And so why do you want to bring in Girl Talk? I am a huge Girl Talk fan and I'm also a massive mashup fan. Um, rediscovering or discovering mashups has really, uh, really reintroduced me to pop music and how much I just love cheesy jams um we mash- all do yeah we both do <laughs> but i think mashups just kind of cop it sometimes um not only because like there's a lot of debate about whether they're illegal or not but also that they're, they're some kind of lower art form because they don't have any original material you know that they're just made up of other people's tunes and sometimes do yeah, derivative art gets a little bit of a hard go but i think mashups are just where it's at actually <laughs> nice all right so that's that's jody and now i'm I'll turn to you, Ash, because I actually found something really cool that you used to 
used to do on your LinkedIn because LinkedIn. I use that. Yeah. It's very professional of us, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's hard to find stuff about people online, but you know, people usually have a LinkedIn. You'd yeah. be like, now what is that there? And I, I noticed that you worked at, at Reach and that's in a kind of youth working role. So you'd, you'd go around to schools and what would you do there? Yeah, we would run, so Reach is in both Melbourne and New South Wales and the whole concept is that it runs workshops encouraging young people to be honest and um, through that kind of gain confidence and really try and chase the things they want. And so a lot of the workshops would use, I guess, you know, themes that are really relevant to young people to kind of create an honest conversation. So one of my favourites was that we would bring up judgment into the room and in a very kind of confronting way, like chuck out names of people (laughs) and say to the, you know, room of like 90 90 young people say the first thing that come to your head and they would just go hard. It was awesome. Like they would just be so brutal. And then, so, so you're talking about actually saying, you know, Oh, what do you think about Ash? Yeah. And people would just be like, Oh yeah, she's really annoying. She's a slurry. <laughs> yeah. Well, first we would start with like somewhat famous people, I guess, or people who they knew. Like, what do you think of the Kardashians? And then we would flip around and be like, what do you think of me? And they'd be like, Whoa, that's getting oddest. And then we would kind of drop it again and go, well, what do you think or what are some of the things that get thrown out on you? What would people say about you though? Because you're asking them about yourself, aren't you? Yeah. yeah I've got some pretty... <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, I used to have bright red hair and you saw a lot of tie-dye. Oh, so many phases. But I definitely got like, bong smoker <laughs> and dirty hippie. And then... One time, this is kind of, one time I was at a school and then someone just yells out, small tits. <laughs> it's high school though, they're young school. kids. But you know what, like it was awesome because that's what I love about young people and I think that's what I've really been gifted with in all of my work is just their energy and their ability to be honest and then kind of taking that honesty that they would bring to something like that where they're being quite harsh, but actually dropping it and go, well, what are some of the judgments that get put on you, you know? And then reach really creates spaces for people to, and young people to be able to be honest about, you know, some of the labels they get at school, like, you know, what is it like to be called a nerd? Or even, you know, sometimes the kind of tough people in the schoolyard and the bullies get this label, but no one really knows what's going on behind that and what their life is or why they might act that way. And so... In a lot of ways, Reach creates these workshops where you bring this stuff into conversation and allows young people to be really honest and learn things about each other that they didn't know. So then, for example, the bullies would be telling people about you know, maybe why they behave that way. Absolutely. And it's a great might, idea. And it might be, you know, they come from an abusive home or um, it, it could be many things. And I think that that's the biggest thing, you know, So and we all do it. Like we're quick to judge how people act or how certain things they do. But then how often do we stop and wonder why? And that's, you know, what I loved. And I loved it when young people were like, oh, man, like, I didn't realise home was like that. I just thought you were a bit of an asshole. It's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, we all got... And equally, you know, quiet people being able to kind of step mm. up and go, this is what my life's like. I guess it's interesting because it kind of ties into the work that you guys do now with No Lights, No Lacquer. It's basically creating a judgment, a less judgmental space to dance because you go there and no one can actually see you and no one can kind of point the finger and be like, look at those lame moves or what are you even wearing? It's completely pitch black and you can just let go. Definitely. So we've got a track from Rage Against Machine called Renegades of Funk. And now why do we have this one in here? Well, Jody and I actually have started getting down to the beach on 6.30 in the morning because one day I was walking and was like, I just want to dance in public, but I feel really embarrassed. And then I said to Jody, 
like, F this. Let's let's just get out there and dance. And so one morning this song was in my ears while we were dancing just, like, on the beach. And it really summed up for me just going, you know what, like, F what people think. Excuse my language. I should stop saying that probably on radio. You but, only said F. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Um, but, you know, and just going – you know, people can judge you, but who cares? Like, let's just do it anyway. And really, like, I, for me, that's what rage sums up. That's what I love listening to about rage. Like, it pumps me up. It makes me think, like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care what you think. Kind of brings back my 16-year-old rebel self. That's nice. <laughs> so that's that's why we bought this track here. Okay, and we don't have time for another track, so we will have to say goodbye now. So uh, I think what, what we should talk about is where you can potentially also dance with you on the beach and get in on the uh, on the judgmental-less scenario where yep. you can just boogie on the sand. Yep. Yep. Six thirty on a Wednesday you can come and do that. Six thirty AM. AM, yes. Okay. It's pretty early. Middle, but middle of Bondi Beach. Yeah. But otherwise you can dance with us at No Lights obviously twice a week on a Monday night and a Thursday night. Cool. Um, and anything cool coming up that we should know about? Yeah. No lights? Yes, we've uh, we're one week into our guest selector month where we've a- approached a bunch of our favourite Australian artists to um, to give us playlists of the kind of music that they like to listen to. So um, every week at Bondi and every week um, at Newtown, we will have a different Australian artist. Yeah, and we've got selecting. some amazing people on like flight facilities, Alpine, Nozu, TK Mides, Roland Tings. Our lovely little mates from Sydney Mansion Air and Elizabeth Rose. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's magic. It's going to be a good month. So it's definitely, and they've all picked such interesting different playlists. So mm. definitely come down for a, a dance if you're around. It's going to be a fun May. Wicked. All right, well, now we've got time for Rage Against Machine, Renegades of Funk, brought in by my guests today, Ash and Jody from No Lights, No Like Her. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Ash. I really enjoyed having a chat. Thanks no so much. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now.
to the beat, we get fresh. 